Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Come on, high five two people around you and say first, 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 first. Come on, do you want me to say American or you want me to say English? Come on, it's first. It's first in English and it's first over here. Is that cool? Come on, can we, can we, can we have some English in the house? You ready? First. Man, the presence of God just filled this place right there. But what a great summer we've had at Encounter. If you have been here, maybe it's your first time. Welcome home. And we're so glad to have you here. And now you're a part of a family. But we've had, the, the summer's been pretty hot here at Encounter. Let me just say it that way. And I'm not just talking about the heat outside. I'm talking about the heat inside. And it's not because the air conditioning broke, but because God has moved. And wow, we've covered some great things on prayer and worship. I just want to recap and hit a few of those points. When we talked about prayer, here's where we began. You've got to pray first. You've got to pray first. Come on, before you go to the doctor, what do you do? Before you send that email, what do you do? Yeah, and you probably won't send that email if you pray first. Come on, before you talk to your husband, before you talk to your kids, before you answer that call, we pray first. Why? Because we include God in everything of our lives. Here's another one, remember, before we go there to social media, before we go to that virtual place, where do we go? We go to God. Come on, we pray first. Instead of grabbing our phone first thing in the morning and, and our whole day be ruined before our feet even hit the floor. Come on, we don't go there until we go to here. Come on, we get our face in the right book. Not in Facebook, but in God's book. Amen. And that's what we talked about. And then we went on to worship. Man, I love worship. I love it. You know, I was trying to behave myself in worship today because my voice has been gone all week. And I was like, man, I need it to preach. But when they started singing, I started hollering and I started praising God. And I was like, God, you know, as I worship, you're just going to have to give me the strength because I can't be quiet. Man, that was some awesome worship today. Amen. And what did we discover over the course? We discovered this. We all worship something. We all have something we worship. Follow your checkbook, your affections, your loyalties. You'll see exactly what you worship. And we were created. Here's why. Because we were created as instruments of worship before God. And then we discovered what true worship is. Pastor Pete preached an incredible message on what is true worship. And what is it? It's giving God that which he loves. We can say, well, that's just not me. I I just don't feel comfortable. That's what God loves. And God does not have that. That's one thing that God does not have, is your worship unless you give it. He says, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. He says, I have everything in this world, but there's one thing I lack. And that's your worship. That's your love. That's your attention. So true worship, remember, is not for you. It's for him. 
It's not about you. Oh, I just don't like that song and, and I don't feel this. And I don't. No, it's not for you. It's for him. But here's how great God is. Are you ready? When you give to him, he gives back to you. And he doesn't just give back to you. He gives back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and hooking a brother up. Do I hear an amen in the house? Come on, you're dead today. I'm trying to get some life in you today. Come on, the quieter you are, the longer I'll preach. Come on, are you going to help me in the house? Remember, the cook always cooks better when you start helping them in the kitchen. You've got to, mmm, feels good, tastes good. It's going to motivate the cook. Can I hear some, mmm? Come on, we're going to go there. Giving God what he loves. That's what worship is. But you know what? We're also going to land on that today as we're talking about giving, giving, giving tithes, giving back to God. But here's where I want to begin. I want us to see giving in a different way today. And that is this. It's not like giving, like it's, it's bringing. Because that's the biblical thought of tithing. It's bringing. Why is it bringing? Well, I give something that's mine to give. But when I bring something, it's not mine in the first place. And that's what we've got to understand. Our tithe, our giving to God is not ours in the first place. So what are we doing? We are returning to God a portion of what he has given all to us. We can turn around and say, God, you know that 10% is kind of tough. Man, well, hey, he could demand it all because it's all his. He's a good God and he allows us to be blessed in our lives. And so please don't shut off today because I really believe these next two weeks can be just as powerful and as impactful as the messages we've had. Because let me ask you a question. Through the prayer series, how many people's prayer life has been changed? Yeah, why? Because you've done it now. You're praying. You're doing it. Amen. It's the action that's changed. How many of you have entered into a new place of worship? You've gone just a little bit higher. Why is that? Because you are now doing it. There's change in your life because of engagement, of action on your behalf. And I want to keep that in mind as we preach this message. Because as you give and do it, I'm telling you, there's a reward that God's going to bring back. Did you know that in the Word of God, there are 500, just over 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer? 500 verses on prayer. There are nearly 500 verses Concerning faith, so faith and prayer, pretty important things, 500, around 500 verses each. But there are over 2,000 on the subject of money and possessions. In fact, Jesus taught 38 parables, 16, almost half of those are in reference to money and finance. Why? Clearly from the Bible's standpoint... There's a need for us to understand money and how to handle it. Why? Because money is actually a test from God. It's a test that God uses for each and every one of us. Because the way we handle our money reveals the volumes about our priorities, our loyalties and our affections. And in fact, it will directly dictate many of the blessings you will or will not experience in life. Say with me this, first. First, come on, say it one more time, first. That's the title of our message today, why? Because in our giving, God must be first. That's the first principle that you must grasp if you're truly going to understand giving. That's giving God's way. And I want to know what God wants. 
Because I've followed what I want and I don't like where it's ending up. Because there is a way, the Bible says, that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. It's damnation. It's not good. And I've followed my way. And I think some of you have followed your way for long enough. Well, now I think we need to know what God's word says and what God's way says, because I'm telling you, there's always blessing at the end of God's way. There's always blessing at the end of God's word. And that's why the thought of first we have labeled in our giving as a tithe, a tithe. The word tithe literally means this, a tenth. That's what it is, a tenth. It's simple math that we get to do. But listen to me, a tithe is more than just the amount. It's about the order. I'm going to say that one more time. It's more than just the amount. God is specific and gives that. But it's also about the order. Your tithe has to be first. It's your first fruit. It's the principle of first. A principle is a truth that other truths are needed. They need that foundation. It's a foundational truth that other truths and other things rely on. So therefore, we've got to get the foundation right so the building is going to be strong. Just this week, I was reading with Judah before he went to bed and we read with him every night. And some of the best messages I think I've ever got is reading a kid's Bible. And if you're struggling with a Bible, find a kid's Bible and start reading it because it's so simple. And, but yet it's still so life-changing. But as I read the story of Judah, I was like, man, that's where I'm going to go Sunday. Thank you, God. And I had different ideas and thoughts, but God redirected. And here's the story, 1 Kings 17, 8 and 9. Then the, Lord, or then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Because see, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Let me set the scene of this passage. Elijah is the prophet of God. That means he's the mouthpiece of God. Elijah has spoken to Ahab. He's the wicked king. And Elijah, by instruction of God, says these words, it's not going to rain in the land for over three years. That's going to create a problem. Anyone understand that? There's a problem. So God says, in order for you to be sustained, God says, here's what you need to do, Elijah. You need to go to a brook. And by that brook, I'm going to take care of you. And the Bible says this, that ravens, birds came morning and night and brought meat and bread for Elijah. I mean, what an incredible provision and miracle of God. But one day the brook dried up, but not God's provision. Because God still has another plan. We can look and say, oh me, oh my, God, where? But God always has another word. He has another plan. And that's what we just read because God is telling him, arise, go somewhere else. Let's read on in the story. So Elijah arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get at the water, he called out to her again and said, please, if you would, bring me a cake of bread. Give me a morsel of bread. Bring me a sandwich in your hand. So in other words, he's saying, I want a Coke and I want a sandwich. Is that okay? And all was going well with the first part. But when he made the second request, there was a problem. And the lady in verse 12 said, here's her reply. She said, as the Lord God, as the Lord your God lives... I do not have bread. Say that with me. I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in the jar. 
And see now, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go to prepare. Come on, the cake is not baked yet. It's still in a jar. There's a little there, but I've got to go and bake this sucker. And then what's going to happen? She said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bake it for me and my son that we may eat it and Here's someone with not even enough to live on. Are you with me? Not even enough to live on. There's only enough for one more meal. There's no hope for her future. In fact, she labels it as this. She defines her future as this. Come on, we're going to eat and die. It's death. There's no hope. It's over. There's nothing worse than death. Anyone know what I'm talking about? That's the outcome of what she has in her mind. And I'm telling you right now, there are so many people who have that same outcome in their life. They are just eating and dying. Why? Because they don't understand the principle of first. Come on, say with me first, first, first. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Perhaps one of the greatest fears that we can have in our life is concern and finances. Some of you right now are fearful when you woke up because you can, you can kind of get away from a headache. You can take a pill. But when you're struggling financially and there's a need, you can try to sleep, but that need's still with you. You go to sleep with it. You, you think about it through the night. Anyone know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of fear involved with finances. And it's not just fear of not having enough. There can also be fear when you've got too much. Because now someone's going to want this and now I'm going to have to get insurance. We've got to watch a lot of fear. But Elijah's saying to her, do not fear. He said, go and do as you have said. Notice there, there's an action, there's a responsibility required first. But from who? She had to make that first response. You and I have to make the first response. I think too many times in Christendom, in church life, us as Christians and followers of God, I think we talk about things so much that we think we've done them. I really do. We, we love to talk about it. We mean to get to it. Here's a good one. Are you ready? Well, God knows it's in my heart to do those things. Come on, you got to do it. Say with me, do it. Come on, Nike stole that, you know. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. He said, but here's what you've got to do. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it second. Third. Come on, help me out in the house. First, first, first. That's the first fruit. That's the principle of first. Here's the tithe. God must be first. Make it for me first and bring it. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. Remember, in the natural, there's not enough for someone else. There's just enough for her and her son. So in the natural, if she makes something for someone else, there ain't enough for them. you you, you got to see this right now. But what we fail to see is this. The supernatural is about to happen. Oh, come on, the supernatural is about to take place in this situation and you've got to see that. And why will the supernatural take place? Because God is given his portion first, first, first. For thus saith the Lord, verse 14, the God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Don't let this next verse slip by. Please, I I want you to consider everything we've talked about. She has one more meal for her and her son to eat and die. The prophet says, bake me a cake first. Think about all this. 
And now read verse 15. And she went and did all according to the word of Elijah. Wow, what must have been going through her head when she was pouring that flour in? What must have been going in her head when she did this all? She must have been thinking to herself, man, this is crazy. This is stupid. I'm not going to have nothing. Come on, she's natural like you and I. Come on, that's the natural thoughts the enemy wants us to have. Why? Because he realizes that God needs our natural first in order for the supernatural to come. And the enemy wants to talk us out of our miracle before we even enter into the miracle. And she and he, come on, she and he, her and Elijah, and now, notice what's just happened. Her whole household ate for many days. It was just her and her son. No, no, it was just her and her son. Now it's a household. Why? Because I'm telling you right now, God wants to pour out the windows of heaven upon you to give you out such a blessing that you'll have more than just your house. You can take it to someone else's house and others can be impacted. I believe this. God wants to bless you so you can be a blesser. Man, 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 I've got a struggle here. I'm going to, man, I need to hold on because I'm going to take off in a second. Verse 16, the bin of flour was not used up, nor was the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. That took great faith for her to do. I said, that takes great faith for her to do. But notice this, the first changed everything. Come on, the first changes everything. It took a situation from death to a place of life. And today I want to show you the principle of first and how the death in your finances, in your giving, in your life can be turned around to life with God. Exodus 13 verse 2. This is God's instruction to the children of Israel through Moses. He says, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is what? Mine. God says the first is mine. It's very clear. Do you see that? The first is mine. God plainly declares that the first is mine, that it belongs to him. Jump to verse 12 and 13. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. That is the firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man, the offspring of man, children among your sons, you shall redeem. Here's what God is saying. Listen to me today. It either has to be sacrificed or redeemed. The thought of the redeemed was this, replaced. Something else took its place. And in this particular example here, that which would take its place was a spotless lamb. A lamb that would take the place. There is no third option given by God. It's either sacrificed or redeemed. It has to be given. There's no third option. But listen, if it was unclean, the example we see here is a donkey, a pig. They were unclean in the word of God. So what would happen? Something that was unclean was redeemed with that which was clean. Also as a child, aren't you glad that God didn't say sacrifice your child, give your kid up? That was to be redeemed Also, so what? So it could be blessed by God. So something unclean had to be replaced. A child had to be replaced as it was given to God. I know some of you have heard me say this before, but I think this is too important to skip over. When John the Baptist meets Jesus on the banks of the River Jordan, 
Notice what John declares to all of those around there. John 1, 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. You see, Jesus is the firstborn of of God. Jesus was born fully clean. That's why he had to come through a virgin. Because the sin line or the line of the seed of man had been disrupted in Genesis because of sin. But God says, that's okay, I can have another way. And God supernaturally moves. Because remember, it wasn't the woman who carried the seed, it was the man. If Eve would have just eaten of the fruit, I believe God would have punished them, but they would not have been banished from the garden. It was when man ate the fruit that the sin, the sin entered the seed because the man carries the seed. And that's why God could still use a woman to bring forth a child. Are you picturing this with me today? But remember this, what we see is this, God was born fully clean, but you and I are a different story. Because we are born into sin. We have a sin nature. Amazing. One of the first words a kid will say is not, Hi, how you doing? I'll share everything. It's mine. No. That's the sin nature rearing its ugly head. But remember, back to the principle of Exodus that we just read. Clean was to be sacrificed, but unclean required a clean animal. It had to be redeemed. Therefore, God gave His Son as the sacrifice that was needed to redeem you and I. In other words, can I tell you what it means is this. Jesus was God's tithe given for every one of us. Unclean, but redeemed through the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus. And notice when it was given. It was given before you believed. It was given before you were saved. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates His love towards us that while we were still sinners, come on, while we were still living that sinful life, what did God do? He sent His Son to redeem us. He paid the tithe and the price to bring hope to you and I. What brought the hope, the tithe, the redemption, the giving that God gave? And so many of us struggle with that. We struggle to give first. We struggle the fact that giving is an act of faith. We struggle with that. We want to see the blessing and then we'll give. God, I'm so glad that God didn't wait for me to get right before He gave His Son because we would still be wrong. But I'm glad that He gave first. He gave first. You see, here's what you've got to understand. When we give to God, we never lose as He redeems it for us. But what we withhold from God, we will lose. We will lose every time. Why? Because the first belongs to God. The first is the redemptive portion and it takes faith to give the first. Back to the lady that we read about. It was a death situation for her. Remember, one more meal and we're going to die. But another option was given to her. And think about the choice again that she had to make. Am I going to choose my son or am I going to choose a stranger? Am I going to believe what I do know, the fact that this is all I have? Or am I going to believe something I don't know if he's telling me the truth? He said the Lord has told him, but I don't know if the Lord has really told him that. 
You see, the problem so many times is we see the sun instead of God in our situation. I said we see the sun, we see the natural instead of God. Instead of seeing the blessings, we see the struggle. We see not enough. I can't do it. And, and then instead of seeing life, we choose death. Because nothing happens, nothing changes in her home until she changed her first. Until she changed her first. And trust me, many don't experience the life that God promises us through giving. Because we're afraid to have the faith and trust God with what we do have. And here's the problem. You ready? I could preach a whole message on this. Too many of us are living in ownership instead of stewardship. If you're living living in ownership with your finances, here's how you're going to think. Here's your mindset. Are you ready? It's mine. I deserve it. I earned it. I did it. How dare you touch what's mine? That's what ownership says. But you know what stewardship says? I don't deserve it anyway. It's not even enough. It's not mine, but it's all God's. Do you see the difference? An ownership wants to take control over something. A stewardship realizes, I'm just called to manage what is not mine in the first place. But it's all God's. And man, I could preach on this for a long time. Because if you want more, the Bible says you've got to be faithful with the little you want. So many people want God to give them thousands, but they can't even tithe on hundreds. You see, there's principles here you've got to say. And you know we can't preach on giving without going to Malachi. In chapter 3, God makes it clear that when we keep the tithe, the first for ourselves, we are robbing God. Will a man rob God? But yet you've said, how have I robbed God? How am I? Pastor, what do you mean I'm robbing God? But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in the tithes and offerings. Tithe is a tense and offering is above and beyond that. And verse 9, you are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me. Here's the thought. Are you ready? You are taking from God, robbing God of the opportunity that he wants to supernaturally bless you. That's what it means. It's not robbing God because he needs your money to pay his bills in heaven. God's not broke. I just want you to know that. God's so loaded that he actually walks on streets of gold. Just want you to know that. Just for fun, he builds a gate that's 150 feet tall out of one pearl. Come on, imagine that oyster. God ain't broke in heaven. He's not cashing in the streets of gold. He's not worried that at night time he goes to sleep and those gates are going to be repossessed and he wakes up and they're gone. Come on, you've got to see this picture right now. But you see, for many of us, all we see in that verse is, Cursed. Oh, I'm cursed. I'm cursed. We focus on the curse instead of seeing the blessing. We focus on the want and the need instead of seeing the provider. You've got to see the fact. You don't have to worry about that thing being cursed when God says, I have blessed it. And so many people want to overlook it and say, oh, that's just Old Testament. That's not in the new covenant. That was under law. That's not a part of grace. Well, that's pretty interesting you would say that because in the very same chapter of Malachi, chapter 3, just two verses earlier, God says these words, For I am the Lord God and I do not change. I do not change. So if you say to me today the principle of first and paying your tithe to God is no more, then when and where did it change? Because I don't see that. 
God doesn't say, okay, that's under the law. Don't pay tithes anymore. It's not anywhere in the Bible. And where does God change? He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what? Listen to me. It's not a law. It's not under law. It's an unchanging principle. Truth established by an unchanging God. And it has to be practically played out in our lives as we do it. Practically played out in our lives as we do it. I know I've used this illustration before, but it's a good one. I've got 10 $1 bills right here. There's 10 of them. Now, the first question we could ask is, which one's the tithe? I think we all know how much the tithe is. The tithe out of 10 is what? One. Okay. But that's the problem. We focus so much on what it is. But really, the thought needs to be, which one is the tithe? Or we can say, well, a tenth of it's the tithe, but which one's the tithe? Aaron, which one's the tithe? The first. The first one has to be the tithe. Oh, well, let me just pay my bills first and the, 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 that's the bills taken care of. And then I've got to eat and go to Starbucks every day because God knows I can't buy coffee for two bucks. I've got to buy one five bucks every day and waste my money. And then I've got to make sure the kids school and then I've got to make sure and I've got to make sure. And then before we know it, we're like, oops, God, there's nothing left. Um, maybe we'll come back next week. No, listen, here's what you do. God, that's already yours. God, now you're going to bless the rest. And notice what happens. I've paid everything and now all of a sudden I've got left over. But one thing I'll say is this. Don't just limit God to money. Because the tithe is more than a blessing of money. Because you tell me how much you would pay to see your kids saved. You tell me how much you'll pay to see the healing come to your body and peace and sleep at night. You see, we, we've got to realize in our lives, the first is God's. I, I believe this, and, and we try to do this, and we don't always. We're not always successful. We're still a work in progress too. But I believe the first check that you need to pay when you get paid is you write out your tithe check. Before you send it to your mortgage company, before you send it to your car company and everything, because many of us are relying on them to be our blessing. They ain't going to bless you. Your mortgage company ain't going to say, you know what, because you paid us early this month, you don't have to pay us next month. They're not going to come back to you and say, good job, I appreciate that. The first is God. That's why I love text giving. That's why Kelly and I love text giving. I love it because I can open a card and someone's give me a gift and I can grab my phone and I can text a tithe straight there and then. I love that. I can be in the line putting my check in the bank. And guess what? I can pay my tithe before even the receipt comes back because I can text give. It's a great way. 30131. Put in counter space in the amount and you can do that. But I'm telling you right now, it's so important. What we just read of in Exodus is God is asking them to give their lamb. He's asking them to give what has been produced. And you've got to understand this. That lamb to them was their livelihood. If that lamb died or something happened, they had nothing else. They were asked to give something. Well, God, give me two and then I'll give you one. And God says, no, give me one. And then I'll maybe give you two. You see, there's something that we've got to realize. Why? Because I said this earlier. Money is a test. It's a test that we have from God. Malachi 3.10, bring all the store into tithe into the storehouse. That's your church. That there may be food in my house. And try me now. Kara said this. Put me to the test. God says the only place in scripture. God says test me is with your finances. Put me to the test. 
and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Well, I just don't know if he's going to do that. He never will if you don't put him to the test. Well, well, I I just don't. There's two testimonies, the tither and the non-tither. The tither says this, man, God blesses me. I don't understand it. The tither says I, I, I can't give. Any way you go in this world, And God says, I will open the windows of heaven up for you and pour you out such a blessing. Again, not just money. Come on, I I don't give to God and say, okay, God, now I've given you 10 bucks. You owe me 100. Because remember, I'm bringing back to God what's already his. Thank God that I was able to give that 10 because without you, I would have had nothing. I'm bringing back. I'm returning that. It's all yours anyway. And God says there will be so much that there will not be room enough for you to receive it all. God's got a blessing that he wants to give. And again, not because he's a God of waste, but because he wants to bless you to be a blesser. But the first portion, the first portion carries the blessing. And the first portion will either release the blessing or withhold. It will either allow God Or rob God from the opportunity to bless your life. And when the first is given to God, it becomes supernatural. Look at this. 90% blessed goes further than 100 unblessed. I've proven it all over. And you can't do the math on it. Try and get a calculator, right? Let's do simple math. If I'm paid $1,000 and I give 100, I now have 900. Do the math. 900 is never more than 1,000 on a calculator. You can't figure it out, can you? But you see, that's why, because it's an act of faith. It's a faith. You can't figure out the things of God. God says, the way I think and the things I do are above you. And I'm so glad about that. Because if God was just doing things limited to me, then he would be a man like me. But he ain't a man like me. He is the God. And we worry, God, are you going to take care of me? God opened his mouth and spoke and mountains appeared and trees appeared. He said, man, let the rivers go here and let the stuff go here. And we get worried and concerned that God can't handle your finances and your problems. Put him to the test and... See, 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 see. Why? Because it's faith. It's an act of faith, but it's the faith that unlocks the supernatural. Listen to me. That supernatural is maybe beyond your understanding, but it's not beyond your ability. It may be beyond what you can figure out, but it's not about your ability because you have the ability to give. And it's not above your obedience too, because every one of us, can be obedient to do it. Come on, we know the fear connected to it. Well, if I pay my tithes, I'm not going to have enough. (laughs) You know what? You don't have enough now. For most of you, you don't have enough now. Well, if I pay my tithes, I'm going to go broke. It's going to destroy my marriage. It's going to... But you know what you can do when you pay your tithes? You can look the devil square in the eyes and say, Devil... You need to get your hand off my home, my family, my finances and everything. Why? Because I'm a tither. Come on, I'm a tither. And you don't just say it because of this, but you can begin to quote the word of God from Malachi 3 and verse 11. And God, you said that you will rebuke the devourer for my sake so that you will not destroy. He will not destroy the fruit of my ground. He will not what? The vine shall not fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Why? Because God says stamped upon it. That's what I declare. Devil, I'm a tither. You, I may look in the natural and there's not enough, but I'm trusting God because he's my source. Now, some of you, can I, can I say it this way? Some of you need financial guidance. Some of you need some help. 
And I'm so glad we have a small group to help you with that. Biblical budgeting and finances. Because some of you are out of control with your spending. And I realize this. Many people's spending is so out of control that it's hard for you to even tithe. That's why you need to get your finances in control. Not so you can pay back your debts. You need to get your finances in control so you can supernaturally release the blessing of God in your life through being able to give. It's Tuesday night, 6.30, right here at the church. doesn't cost you anything to come. But your life is going to be changed. Because listen to me. You can't just expect to give to God and Him bless the mess. You've got responsibilities too that you need to handle. You need to pray first about it before you buy that house. You need to pray first. And now we get mad at God because we're in a house we didn't want. Well, is that a house that you prayed to God about? But you blame God for the problems when you didn't include Him in the first place. Come on, I'm preaching louder than you're saying. Amen. But here's what you really need to hear today. You ready? God doesn't need you to give. (laughs) You need to be blessed. God don't need you to be blessed. I talked about God's not struggling in heaven. God's not like going, okay, man, hurry up and take up that offering encounter because I need to see how much money's coming up here this week. (sighs) Got to pay those angels their salaries. They've been busy this week. Got to pay them out. What am I going to do? You see, the principle of first is your blessing. It's your blessing because you need to be blessed. You see, there's two choices that you can have when it comes to giving. Here's the two choices that you can have. Number one, I cannot afford to give. Or, I cannot afford to give rather. Or, I cannot afford not to give. And I'm telling you which one works every time is number two, the bottom one. I cannot afford not to give. Because I know it works. I said, I know it works. Because an open hand that's given is a hand that's positioned to receive. If you want to hold on to it, God can't even get it to you. But you begin to give it and you begin to release it. Come on, there's a hand that is open to be blessed and to receive with God. I've got to close this message. I'm in the red by two minutes. Exodus 13, 14 and 15. So it shall be when your son asks in time to come, saying, what is this? That you shall say to them, by strength of hand, the Lord God brought us out of Egypt out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass that when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both of the firstborn of man and the beast. Therefore, I sacrifice, I give to the Lord all that opens the wound first. Remember first. But all the firstborns of my sons I redeem. God's instruction is further than just for you. God's instruction is this, you've got to pass it down to your children. You've got to teach your children. When your children look at you and say, why do we tithe? Hey, I, I was once in bondage. I was once an addict. I was once broken. I was once wrecked. But come on, with a mighty strong hand, God delivered me. And God saved me. And God brought my marriage back together. And God gave me another chance and an opportunity. And that's why... That's why I gladly give God first of all that I have. And for those of you who say tithing is just Old Testament, let me give you a New Testament scripture just to mess you up. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't do it reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves it. Here's what he loves, remember? A person who gives cheerfully. 
Now you may say, well, the first part says you've got to decide in your heart. The decision is this. God already tells us what's the tithe. The decision is, are we going to give that? And then the response has to be, how am I going to give that? Because I'm not going to give it out of compulsion or law. I'm giving it out of gratitude because God saved me. God blessed me. God healed me. God has given me this job. God has given me this family. God has given me my house. Come on, that's what Kelly and I look at. God, this ain't our house. It's yours. These ain't our cars. They're yours. These ain't your clothes, God. Our clothes, they're yours. Come on, they aren't our kids. They're your kids, God, because everything I have, I now bring a portion back to you. I really believe this. That your life of blessing begins with a clear understanding and acceptance of the principle first. And without understanding that and doing it, band, you can come back. It's impossible to move on to the greater adventure that God has in store for everyone who puts him first. I want to read that again. Without understanding the principle of first, the tithe and doing it, it's impossible for us to move on to the great adventure God has in store for those who put him first. So this is why I bring God my tithe, because it's all already his. I said it's all already his. I'm going to say one more thing and then I'm going to pray for you. Here's how much I believe in the tithe. We're going to give you a tithe back guarantee. Tithe back guarantee. What do I mean by that? What's a money back guarantee? If you don't like it for 30 days, try it and we'll give you all your money back. Hey, I've got no problem going on a limb because you're not testing me. You're testing God. I didn't write this. God wrote this. And I'll give you a tithe back guarantee. And that is this. If you faithfully give your tithe to God and you tell me that God hasn't blessed you, I'll give you your money back and I'll give you back 10% on top of it. I promise you that. And I can do that. I'm the pastor. I can do that. But I'm telling you, in all my years of preaching and offering that, that tithe, no one has ever come and said, Pastor, you steered us wrong. It doesn't work. Now, some people have tried to fool us in the past and say, well, man, I gave to God. Well, let me see your bank statements. Let me see how much money's coming in. I want to make sure you're given a tenth. Because if you want to tip God, that's a different to a tithe. Tithe is a tenth of everything that you have. But I'm telling you, you give God first. He's going to redeem. It's the redemptive portion that takes care of the rest. Come back next week. We're going to talk more about it. Is that okay? Come on, stand all over this place.